Welcome to In Contact with the ACO. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. We are changing it up, and so next month we will feature Dr. Marcel's presentation on pregnancy, birth, and emotions. This episode is a special one, and instead of a case presentation, it features an interview with Peter Christ, MD, the president of the American College of Ergonomy. I asked him about an upcoming reading from his book in progress, All People Great and Small, and learned more about some of his stories, but also Dr. Christ the man. In the ACO patient presentations, we see primarily the patient side of the doctor-patient relationship, and so this interview and some of his stories show the doctor side of this emotional, intimate, and very human relationship. We hope to see you at Dr. Christ's reading or other events at the ACO campus near Princeton, New Jersey. Dr. Chris, thanks for your time. For listeners who've been hearing about therapy cases presented in our podcast, what would interest them about your stories? So what's um, important to understand about my stories is they're a very personal uh, view of my background, um, what I do as a doctor. And so the medical stories that I have um, uh, give a very um, personal, intimate, behind-the-scenes view of what it's like as the doctor working with patients. So the case presentations, uh, uh, the doctors have been telling about a patient, and you can uh, hear who that patient is, and then something about how the um, doctor is connected with the patient and what they do with it. My stories, the medical ones, really um, look at what's going on behind the scenes of what it was like for me uh, in those uh, interactions with patients. But the stories cover the whole range from my childhood to my adolescence um, to my medical training and also when I was a professor of psychiatry, uh, Robert Wood Johnson. And so every single one of the stories really illustrates something about who I am, how I became the doctor that I am. So every story really does relate to exactly the same thing uh, that the case presentations do, but just in a very different uh, way. Um, and uh, I, I would hope people would come to them interested in understanding not just what's going on with the case, but what's going on with the a doctor uh, in the relationship with the patient. So that's what my stories uh, illustrate, who I am, and some of them specifically how I interact with patients. I see. That makes me think, you know, in the presentations by you and the other doctors, uh, one thing that seems to stand out is um, the doctor's role in the doctor-patient relationship maybe more than other um, types of psychiatry and therapy. Does that, is that accurate? Yes, I would say absolutely that's uh, accurate. And uh, one of the stories that I'll be reading this time, in fact, I'm going to be opening with it, is a story about the first patient I had uh, as a medical intern during my medical training. And it really is the story about the relationship between me and this patient. I was inexperienced, and it was purely my relationship with him that allowed me to understand what was going on with him and help him. So, yes, ab absolutely. The, uh, the approach that we take as medical ergonomists is a fresh approach, really looking at uh, how crucial it is for the 
doctor to have uh, a deep relationship with the patient. In fact, in thinking about talking with you, that's one of the things that came to me is that doctor-patient relationship um, I think is, I, I call it a sacred relationship, and I don't mean that in a mystical, uh, religious way. It is uh, a profoundly um, intimate relationship, more than any other relationship, including uh, uh, people's relationships with the, their family. There are things that happen between doctors and patients that nobody else sees or hears about. And, and that's part of what your stories can do, open up that relationship to the public to, to experience a little bit of that? Yes, yes, yeah, very well put, yes. Um, and, and then for people who are familiar with you or your stories, what might they be surprised about in this reading? Oh, boy, people always ask me what, what might surprise them. Um, I mean, people who don't know me... Um, might be surprised at how um, uh, sensitive I am and how much I'm affected by uh, my patients, how much I'm affected by everything that, that I'm, I'm around. People who do know me, they, they have heard stories that illustrate that. But um, one story that I will be um, reading this time, I don't think many people know the experience I had at age 16 hitchhiking across the country and what I learned in those four days. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think they may be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, you said you're affected very much by the people and the things around you. I'm curious, how has the process of writing your stories and reading them to the public affected you and maybe your practice in psychiatry? Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, it, it absolutely has affected me. Uh, since I did the uh, first readings two years ago, so this will be the third in a series, um, afterwards I realized I didn't even know uh, the significance of some of the things that were in my story. So in the discussions afterwards, things came out and, and it helped me learn some things and actually uh, be more explicit about some of the interactions I was having with, with my patients. So uh, absolutely, um, the process of writing the stories, um, well, that's, that's the process of what's happened in, in reading them publicly. In writing the stories, um, some of them are, are quite painful and, um, to get down to the uh, intimate things that, that have gone on. And so the process of writing um, has allowed me to actually open up some doors and face some things that uh, um, uh, has been really important and crucial for me to do. In fact, that, that reminds me the first story that, that, I'm, uh, that I mentioned a few minutes ago uh, was about the first patient I ever had as, as a medical intern, as I said, and the first readings I did, I did an excerpt uh, that covered the second patient I had. And those two patients, um, I remember everything about them and their lives to this day. And that first night I was uh, an intern, I admitted seven patients. I cannot tell you anything about the other five. Uh, that somewhere, just the process of my medical training uh, forced me to have to find a way to just survive the onslaught of, 
of what you deal with as a doctor. And this morning, thinking about talking with you, that came to me as um, my own therapy was crucial in helping me regain my ability to, to really be more open and take in what was going on with patients. But it took years to do that. In fact, I think it's a crucial part of why we as medical ergonomists need to have our own training therapies that uh, allow ourselves to uh, be open and genuinely vulnerable, but learn how to handle and deal with them. Ah, I see. You mentioned admitting seven patients, and it just made me think of, you know, you can hear 20 patients being admitted these days um, in a long shift, and you only wonder, you know, how, how that affects doctors today. Uh, as medicine has changed over the years. I know. I, I feel very fortunate to have trained in a period, even though it was difficult training, there still was a much more human view and much more human approach. Things have, uh, since then have become even more mechanical than they were then. Um, yeah. And that, that reminds me of one of the other stories that I'm, I'm reading this time. Uh, gives an illustration of my love of, of science. I, I've called it Krebs cycle energy. Um, and my disappointment in freshman biology, uh, realizing that biology as it was taught was not just looking at nature uh, the way I loved to do as a child, but this dry biochemical mechanical approach. And I'm afraid so much of medicine has also been taken over by that uh, approach. Yeah, that reminds me of my own studies in biology where, you know, they give you the definition, biology is the study of life, and then you kind of want to find out where's the life in this semester, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's exactly what that story is about. So oh, if, wonderful. If people have any interest in, in science, um, it's those kinds of stories that will give a, a sense of um, how... My learning, I mean, I feel very fortunate to have learned about ergonomy when I was 16 years old because it allowed me to take an absolutely fresh approach to looking at science and realized uh, it doesn't have to be that dry biochemical approach. I see. And so I'm thinking, I, I attended one of your readings and you mentioned how um, writing up the stories um, really helped you look at some of your experiences. What I remember is they shed a new light on my own life and my own childhood. I, I don't remember the story uh, right now, but there was one um, that talked about when you were young. And um, so just hearing your story and you painting that picture of your childhood helped me look at my own. I'm curious, do other listeners, um, have, have they mentioned something like that? Or what feedback have you gotten about your stories so far? Yeah, I've gotten exactly that feedback, which has been very gratifying. As, as I wrote them as these are my personal experiences, and that uh, reading them publicly and having the discussion afterwards is what really kind of surprised me, is they are far more universal than I realized. I thought it was just my experience. <laughs> But you may be referring, there was one story that I read uh, called Waltzing with Kitty about my uh, crush on a uh, young girl in my seventh grade class called Kitty LaForce. And afterwards, even to this day, people who were there said, you know, I keep thinking about Kitty. So um, I don't know whether the stories uh, this time will have that same kind of universality. It's funny, I don't know it until I 
put them out there and get responses like that. So I'm, I'm hoping there are some, but I'm often surprised at what's more universal than I realize. So. I see. And so that's what you mean when you say you're still learning what your book is about? Is that what you yes. mean? Yes. Yes. Yep. That's very much what I mean. Yeah, that's part of what I mean. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, I think that's very exciting because I don't think you hear that often when you hear some an author talk about their book. You know, they're still learning about really what it's about. And I think that um, says something about you that to me is exciting that you're always learning from what you're doing and it's not it, it doesn't end with you writing the words on the page um no so that's I, true that's that's true and and it's part of the process of writing is writing is actually a very artificial form of communication i mean uh, i was listening to someone talking about linguistics recently and he said if you think about it written language um if from the beginning of human language, maybe as much as 50 to 100,000 years ago, and you put it on a clock, um, writing came in at, at the hour 11.56. So, <laughs> wow. so people talking much longer than, than they've been writing, but there's something about writing that just trying to find the best way to express something means it it's impossible to find a perfect way. So I am going back even, you know, stories that I um, wrote five years ago and revising them. And there's always a new way to, to put the story. So even on that level, uh, there's always something to, to learn. Wow. Okay. But I appreciate what you're saying is that that is part of who I am is that I'm always learning. And it's even in the title all people great and small. There's, um, that's a takeoff on uh, James Harriet's All Creatures Great and Small, and where this whole um, uh, book of stories started from was my daughter as a child loved to hear James Harriet's stories about uh, being a country vet in England. And um, at the same time, I was telling her stories about my medical training at St. Vincent's. And she said, Dad, you should write these down. You could be the James Harriet of medical stories. <laughs> I thought, what? That's nice to have a fan like that. But I never dreamed that I would actually do it. So years later is when I started writing them. Wow. So, I, bet, I bet she's excited for your, your writings then. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, that's part of what... Um, I realized from that title is uh, it's just a description. I have always been an observer um, of people, of nature, and all people, great and small, kind of conveys, well, I'm an observer. I'm not judging them. Um, there's one of the stories that, that um, I haven't read in any of my readings, but it's uh, when I was teaching the medical students about the different temperament and character of of different medical specialties. I was particularly talking about the difference between surgeons and internists. And um, someone said, oh my God, you're, you're judging me. I said, no, I'm not judging you any more than I would judge the birds in the woods that, oh, that's a good bird, that's a bad bird. I just love looking at, at different birds, just as I love looking at different people and trying to understand them. So, yeah, I, I think that comes across in your writings and when you speak that that is a characteristic of you, that you observe and you're, you're not judgmental. 
Um, I know in your um, presentations that we put into podcasts, um, that that struck me. You simply want to observe and see, and if you're in the role of the doctor, what you can do to help. Mm -hmm. it, it really doesn't come across um, like uh, something's bad or good. It's, you just want to know what you can do to help someone look at their problem and, and what can be done about it. Right. Right. And that's, that's why, um, again, I feel so fortunate to have learned about ergonomy. Um, we've uh, developed this catchphrase recently, ergonomy, a fresh look at life. And it really has that quality um, of just being able to look. And uh, Reich, who developed ergonomy, um, understood that you cannot objectify something without using your senses. Uh, you, you cannot, you know, it's crucial, and that's what we can do as ergonomists, just look and look and look at, at someone to understand who they are rather than jumping to a conclusion and judging them, but just to see who they are uh, out there. As soon as you start judging, you're no longer actually seeing you know, the phenomenon as a natural phenomenon. And that's what uh, a patient is the same as what to me is watching a bird in the woods. So, oh, it does that. What's that about? What, where's it going now? What's it doing? Mm. I, I think that is a fresh look. I think um, listeners and um, readers of your book, when it's published, will, will be excited to, to learn more. Yep, um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you, you would like listeners to know about you or your reading? Um, before we finish today? Um, nothing more than, than I'm excited again to have been invited to present my stories at the college, and I hope people will come. This is just a, a taste of the kind of discussion that, that we can have uh, about the stories, and I love sharing them with people. I love sharing my experiences, and if, if they touch people, that's what I hope to do get out of doing these readings is, is touching people, having them have a chance to take a fresh look themselves at themselves and at life and at the world. Oh, I, I would want to, I do want to mention um, in terms of the selection of stories, I forgot this year, since it's an election year, I decided to include two stories that um, are related to social political questions. One is about, oh. yeah. And, and, um, you know, that's such a hot topic and a difficult topic. And as ergonomists, we understand the difference in the character um, of someone's sociopolitical life as well as their individual life. So, um, but it, it so easily gets into a judgmental, he's good, she's bad. And I have a story about uh, how profoundly different my mother who was a liberal, and my aunt Tudge, her sister, who was a, a rock ribbed Republican, New England conservative. And it just shows that that story just shows so clearly that difference. And I grew up loving liberals and conservatives both. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's one of the, the uh, stories that I decided to include. And at the same time, I decided to include um, another one. I, I, want, I don't want to give away the title. I, I love the title of it, so I hope people will come to hear it, but it's about my desire to have a cap gun as a young Quaker boy. <laughs> that sounds good. You know, I have to say one more thing before we stop. So you hear about physician burnout these days. Mm -hmm. 
I understand you just turned 70. You don't sound like you're burning out. Can, can you say something about that? <laughs> yes, I did. In September, I did turn 70, and I feel like I'm just getting started. Um, I don't feel at all burned out. I don't have always the same energy as I used to, but um, I'm more excited than ever about what I'm doing and uh, the work that I'm doing. So I think the key to um, not burning out is to connect with what is genuinely in somebody's, what I call their work character, who they are. Uh, as a human being that has a natural impulse to do something productive. And as long as you tap into that, I don't think you can burn out. If you're fighting who you are and trying to fit yourself into something other than who you are, that's where I think burnout comes from. So it's a matter of connecting with, with what's genuinely in you of a spontaneous, natural impulse to do things. And I feel very fortunate to found so many things that I love to do. Wonderful. Thank you very much. You're I appreciate welcome. your time. Yeah, thank you for your time. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Thank you for listening to In Contact with the ACO. You can connect with us at a different kind of psychiatry.com or organomy.org. Find more episodes at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts.